0: Brethren and sisters, to commence our last period with you before the Bible school breaks up. This is the last second period, I should, should say. I think we should remember that delay is a matter of relativity to man. The passage of times seems interminable. Because he is finite. But God is different. God is not bound by time. Though his treatment of men, or through his treatment of men, he uses time. Those who depend upon delay in his coming. Might find their calculations upset by the inevitability of divine action I think that there is a purpose in this seeming delay It provides opportunity For you and I For repentance on the part Of those who heed the divine will unless in this way and in this manner it expresses does it not Yahweh's great love and mercy towards each one of us it just gives us a little bit more time are we using this time (coughs) excuse me are we using this time advantageously to ourselves or are we letting this time just slip by And not making use of it. In the eighth verse of Second Peter, Chapter Three. It says there, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And then it goes on and it says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness but rather he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance <clears throat> we know that and possibly we have all heard brethren in their in exhortations as well as brethren in prayer saying that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance, (laughs) referring to the world. But in my humble opinion, I believe that that, uh, Peter here is not writing to the world outside but rather he is writing to the ecclesias of Asia Pontius and so on and so in these words of Peter I feel that he is speaking definitely about the those who have been baptized into Christ that God is not willing that any of us should perish We know that he is calling out of a Gentiles a people for his name, and he has done it in the past, and he has done it in the future, and we will be doing it in the future. But to refer to it as God not willing that any should perish but all should come on to repentance, referring to the world, personally, I I just can't seem to go along with, with that. In the 11th verse, it is speaking and seeing then that all these things should be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation, and so on. And he speaks in the 12th verse of looking for and hasting unto Regarding the heavens being on fire And when he repeats this the heavens being on fire of this statement The repetition I think of this statement in this verse suggests that the apostle now passes on to the future When the Gentile heavens and earth will be destroyed as were the Jewish heavens destroyed some 1900 years ago His prophecy is doubtlessly drawn from the uh, Lord's Olivet prophecy in which Christ also swiftly there you will notice that he also swiftly passed from the judgment of AD 70 to that of the future as is recorded in Luke the 21st chapter at the 24th and 25th verse for the destruction of the Jewish state then was typical. Of the impending destruction on Gentile power now and Christ shall put down all rule and he shall put down all authority and power and the glorified followers of the Lord at that time will ascend there to eject its rulers and to replace them by God's righteous authority and it is significant that the present tense is is used where it says being on fire that's the present tense in accordance with the Greek tense er, uh, verse 11 when it says these things are being dissolved and so Peter's readers in the first century with the aid of the prophetic scriptures then could then see signs that indicated the destruction of the Jewish state if they cared to watch for it. And we, brethren, today, by the same means, if we care to watch for them, can see indisputable signs of the impending destruction of Gentile powers. And in this fact, I think that this added tremendous power, a tremendous weight to the exhortation that Peter here is giving. And then in the 13th verse, we all realize that to be forewarned, is to be forearmed. And Peter's words of excitation could well have been from the 33rd chapter of Isaiah at the 13th verse, where it says that the sinners of Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath, r- hath surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the burning of the age he that walketh righteously are the words that are recorded there in all the confusion of war and destruction and the pouring out of the terrible judgment the faithful can have quiet assurance that he who saved Noah from the flood and the same person that saved Lot from the burning of Sodom will also likewise deliver them from the Holocaust of the last days in the 13th verse There are two letters together that are probably the most, two letters in Scripture that are more important than these, where it says, nevertheless we, this word we, brethren and sisters, is probably the most important two letters of the Scripture. For here it means we in contrast. We in contrast to the world that lies in a state of ignorance. A world that lies in a state of hopelessness. And so there it says, nevertheless, we have new heavens and a new earth and this term relates to a new form of government and a new political order on earth under the Lord even Jesus Christ and Peter here is also again quoting from the prophecy of Isaiah at the 65th chapter at the 17th and 19th verses As well as Isaiah 66 and 22. And so these new heavens and these new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, Peter is referring to Psalm 72, as well as Isaiah 26, and also 32 and 17. And these scriptures tell us that Christ's reign, brethren and sisters, sh- shall establish this quotation which he has written here. Then truly there will be, will there not? Glory to God in the highest. and on earth peace and goodwill towards men righteousness then shall dwell or shall I have a a permanent abode here on this earth we stop and think about it it's hard to realize just what peace on earth will be like. And so Peter goes on and says, Seeing that ye look for these things, be diligent. And so he is suggesting that we should be ever awaiting. Have a tremendous expectation for the coming of these things and we should do it with great zeal Peter the Shepherd of the sheep guides his flock to a positive thinking here Peter here is shepherding the Ecclesiastes he is employing them to follow the pattern the pattern that has been set down by Christ with all diligence and if they will he can then assure them of the peace with God and there must be that warm state There must be that anticipation which shall spur us on to hasten to do those things which please God. And this peace that he's talking about here in this verse is to be found in him in peace, is to be at one with him in thought and in action. And we quoted John 14:27 earlier in our classes where it says, peace I leave with you, my peace give I unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so we must be without spot, as he says here, and without blemish. And to be without spot is to keep our figurative garments clean, that we might be found blameless. And this is to have obtained forgiveness of those sins that we all, that we all have committed. And I think the ideal here is found by Peter in the Lord Jesus in 1 Peter 1.19 where he says as a lamb without spot or blemish In the fifteenth verse it is and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation well I think that with these words here he is telling us not to see in the supposed delay a reason to believe that the warnings of the fathers were out of place that we may indulge in the lusts of the flesh as recorded in the third verse But I think he is rather admonishing us to let us conclude that God's long sufferings is a proof that God desires his household to be saved. And so let us use this time As an opportunity to ensure our own salvation as well as anyone else's that we have the opportunity to help along the path of righteousness We have those very warm words of Peter when he quotes and says, Even as our beloved brother Paul has written unto you. You know, it is a wonderful indication. the humility of our brother Peter to find him writing of Paul in this way for among the very epistles to which he directs his readers at this time is the one in which Paul castigates Peter for hypocrisy and declared he declares that in Antioch for it says that he withstood him face to face because Peter was to blame these words are found in Galatians 2 11 13 Peter, in this case, brethren and sisters, accepted the rebuke. He he accepted the rebuke in such a humble spirit that he could write of Paul in the terms of the greatest endearment. even as our beloved Paul has written unto you. These are the words of Peter. And so we see, do we not, that jealousy and rivalry have been purged completely from Peter's character. For he personally directs his readers to Paul's epistles. How different from the man who boasted though all these betray thee yet will I will not I. What a change cannot we follow this great man in such a transformation of character? You know as Peter saw Christ transfigured, before his very eyes on the Mount of Transfiguration so we also see Peter transfigured do we not by the influence of his Lord and the manifesting the glory that came to him and Peter, or Peter in these words is speaking of the inspiration of Paul's epistles and places him among the prophets and it tells us that speaking of them or speaking in them of these things Things that are hard to be understood, that they are unlearned in the 16th verse. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, also warned of moral and doctrinal and political corruption, as this is what Peter is referring to. There is a need to carefully study and to analyze scripture that the true meaning may be grasped. Paul himself exhorted Timothy that he should rightly divide the word of truth for sound doctrine leads to sound thinking and that in turn produces sound action. The diaglot where it says that they are unlearned the diaglot rendering there in the new testament is this it says the uninstructed and so a person who neglects the study of the word of god is an easy mark for false teachers and this is a matter that paul dwells upon constantly for he said that sound doctrine or sound understanding, Paul says, will enable one to detect false doctrine and so stem the flood of false think- thinking and actions that come in its wake. And so we come to the last two verses of our study this week and I think that Peter here is trying to show the importance of spiritual growth for with the glorious hope of an entrance into the kingdom set plainly before them there is a need for Christ's followers to aim to grow in the things of God those of Peter times were shortly to be tested from within and therefore it was urgent that they should effectively use the means available to them to successfully combat the seductive influences which would seek to draw them away from true allegiance this is still true today it tells us there in the 17th verse to seeing ye know these things before be west beware lest ye see the error of the wicked and the diaglot rendering is being forewarned a person is wise when he is forewarned and takes notice of it for he will make due preparation to meet the challenge of the problem that is in sight And beware lest ye, meaning there is none so spiritually strong that he never needs to beware. And I think Peter himself at this instance sees a good example of that. And Paul also exhorted, Let him that thinketh he stand beware lest he fall. And he admonishes us to growth. There is always a need for growth. For in spiritual matters, we must either progress or we retrogress. In spiritual matters, there is no, absolutely no standing still. The parables show us that growth is dependent upon good soil and a cultivated mind towards the Word of God. A congenial atmosphere and a good ecclesial associations Is the rain or the shower of divine truth and Christ himself is the warm beneficial influence of the Sun Yahweh himself has provided a way for us in the scriptures themselves for spiritual growth has he not in his word and may his divine favor be manifested toward each one of us in grow, er, to grow in understanding of Jesus Christ is to have a more intimate comprehension of his character and an intimate comprehension of his ways. And this then will act as an incentive to our strivings. It will encourage us to make Christ real. Brethren and sisters, we must study and understand the Gospels. And the more that we meditate upon his ways, As they are unfolded to us through our learning, the more we will be induced and encouraged to follow him. It was the very impact of Christ's example and his presence that brought Peter that great change in his character. And Peter in shepherding his ecclesias then and now, he is now passing on to us the secret of the transformation of his life. And he prays that it might be both now and forever. These are the parting words of the man Peter that we have been studying. We've been studying together for six days. This is the epignosis of the scriptures, as he has laid it down for our learning. And so may we all understand more fully the doctrinal and the moral, as well as the political warnings of Peter and his teachings concerning this subject as it shall be revealed in the day of the ages to come and may God grant us to be associated with him In that day when we hope to sing with him Of the glory of our Lord And Savior Jesus Christ And so just in a short review before we close What does epignosis do for us? An exact knowledge of scriptures reveals to us grace and peace, it provides the dynamics of spirituality. it shows the way to true worship it creates an incentive to right living it makes to us a reality of the promises me to the fathers, it energizes unto diligence all the things of God. It is designed as a foundation of divine nature. It will enable one to avoid the world's moral corruption. it will enable one to avoid doctrinal error and its power is seen in the physical creation it sustained the Israelitish order must not be rested otherwise brethren and sisters or it will lead to destruction and its need is repudiated by false teachers and it is necessary for each one of us to grow in its teaching and in its understanding And so, in conclusion of our class together, our consideration of this short epistle is concluded. And what can we say to sum it up? Well, I think that we can say that the experiences of the of the truth reveal much, much that is fine and noble and good. But intermixed with it, there is that which is evil, and wrong, and sad. There are manifested many griefs and many errors but also a continual experience of the love and the mercy of God therefore we take both comfort and courage from this epistle I think that I think that our duty remains clear to contend earnestly for the faith once delivered for all the, for, for all delivered to the Saints to preserve in its purity that which is our most precious possession and so Peter has instructed us not to be carried away with the absurd outcry against contention and the fighting spirit that spirit brethren and sisters properly controlled as he has taught us here to control it is a constructive spirit. And a very little constructive or helpful work has been done by the smooth-speaking and placid school of contentment. And so, in closing, we can be creative as we contend, We can show favor as we fight. We can manifest love as we labor in the doctrine. And if we do it all under the guidance of the spirit word, we will do it with the prospect of ultimate victory before us. Let that be our aim, and to God alone, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power forever.